friends. Welcome once again to the Everyday Missionary Podcast. This is episode 232, and it's the seventh of eight installments on this whole idea of evaluating kind of our Christian context as far as being in more the evangelical side of the Christian experience, kind of analyzing that. And then from that, really trying to understand like, hey, what are the things that we should keep? What are the things we should ditch? What are the things we should repent for? What are the things we should recalibrate? And then how do we move forward from that? And that's really what we've been doing for nearly two months now is uh, just trying to weigh all of that out. And so the heart behind this, again, is not to be critical, but rather to be Christ-like. It's not to just simply say, oh, burn down the house and just walk away, which is what some people have been choosing to do, but instead saying, hey, let's have an honest and authentic discussion about the things that need to be altered, about the things that we have allowed to get in the way, and then from that, to come out the other side being more centered on what Jesus's vision is for the world and the kingdom and how to do that most effectively. And so that's kind of the whole quest. And And today's theme is all about kind of the underlying tone that I think has been driving a lot of our kind of contemporary Christianity and that evangelical world and how that tone needs to change, that viewpoint needs to change, and we need to actually get back to the center point of what Jesus advocated uh, when it comes to how we follow him and what we do in this world. And that theme is all about the difference between fear and faith. This is why we call it the Christian faith. We don't call it the Christian fear, all right? But in that, I do think that there has been this, this integration into the American uh, evangelical experience where for now several decades, what has mobilized us, what has educated us, what has warned us has been things that are designed to inspire a sense of fear. And then from that, we react in fear as opposed to it breeds in us the necessity for faith and we act and react in faith-filled ways. Like that's kind of the difference. Now, before I kind of jump into this topic a little bit, um, I want to acknowledge that in the world, there are plenty of things to fear. In fact, if you're like me in any way, you've been somehow uh, staying apprised of everything happening with Ukraine and Russia and just the utter heartbreak and trauma that's going on there. And even as you watch it, just incredible injustice and, and a reminder of how how harmful and sinful the human condition can be when it fears and it's desiring more power or security or control or whatever it is. Like that's just sort of a living illustration of what happens when fear can can get in the way of a leader's thinking or a nation's thinking. And so even from the perspective of Russia, they think there's some fear if they don't address the Ukraine. And so they're doing this tragic, tragic thing. And then certainly in Ukraine, there's a lot of fear to be had with all of the violence and warfare that is taking place there. And so from that, there is all sorts of things in our world that reminds us, hey, there are tons of things to be feared. But for the follower of Jesus, we need to be thinking very clearly and very thoughtfully about this equation of fear and how we are to respond to things that can stir the fears of people. And in that, to remember that while there are things that are going to get our uh, emotions uh, sort of uh, ramped up, there's going to be things that cause that kind of fight or flight response that is just true to our biological condition. We need to let our brain kind of lock in and say, wait, though, even though that this is my tendency, this is my bent, this is my temptation to fear, 
I don't want to act in fear, but rather I want to act in faith. In fact, if anything, Jesus kind of enters into the world and demonstrates to us what it's like to be motivated by faith, even though he knows, like, my time has come in, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to be beaten, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be crucified, all things that he could fear, in essence, but he moves forward, he moves on to Jerusalem, he faces those things in faith because he trusts his father to provide for him, he trusts his father's plan, and he models then to us that all of life, even the things that could stir up all of that anxiety, or concern, we need to submit those things to the hand of God. And then from that, we model to the world an incredible sense of faith and faithfulness, despite the fact that everything in us might want to say, no, run, hide, flee, protect yourself, grab a gun, grab a stick, grab whatever, you know, just fight. Don't, don't, don't wait around, just fight whatever's being thrown at your world and, and this or thrown at you by the world. And, and instead Jesus is like, no, what we need to do is think clearly and competently in such a way that we figure out how can I model faith and faithfulness in those times where I'm apt or prone to fear. Now, I know there's a lot of moving parts in all of that. I know there's always going to be the same where we're like, well, what about this circumstance? Or what about that situation? Or even we could look at the Ukraine right now and be like, no, that's a time to grab a gun. And I can totally understand that. That's not our circumstance and situation for the most part here in the States. And if anything, we tend to, in this evangelical thing, uh, sometimes lock into things that are designed to stir up fear or the kind of establishment locks into things that they want us to have a sense of fear. And from that, uh, they're able to give us resources and tools and books and conferences and videos and everything else to help us in our fears, conquer our fears. But in that, usually it's more about conquering fear, not with faith, but with tools and tactics that are anything but faith, right? And and that's the place where I get concerned in all of this is that that what all of the things are in our society or culture that, that come at us that can stir up those kinds of anxieties, we should see those as opportunities to grow in faith as opposed to we see those as liabilities that we need to address so we can reinstate our own sense of safety and security. It's like everything teaches, right? And, and what Jesus wants us to do is realize that everything then is that that prime soil in which we can let faith flourish and grow and we can kind of grow in our resilience. We can grow in our kind of elasticity when it comes to circumstances that are beyond our control that instead of feeling like, again, we need to lock it down, instead we can lift it up, right? And trust God and then demonstrate God's heart and character in the midst of those kinds of things, right? Like that's kind of the essence of what we want to get to in all this. Now, when it comes to the fears that I think we have been, uh, you know, kind of engineered to react to for the last several decades. I think a lot of that has been kind of this this warning that we hear sometimes from our tribe, like uh, the humanists or the relativists or the pluralists want to indoctrinate our kids. They want to take away our heritage. Uh, they want to go against our Christian tradition in some way, you know, and so there's constantly this sense of be aware, be afraid, be concerned for that group and this organization and that institution. And, and in that, be afraid that you're going to lose your freedom to worship. You're going to lose your freedom to uh, express your religious convictions. You're going to be canceled or shut out or penalized in some way if we allow these these traits and trends to continue in American culture. And so for years now, there has been just every kind of warning under the sun being thrown at us and saying, beware of the liberals or beware of the universities or beware of some kind of sex ed agenda or beware of you fill in the blank. There's all of those bewares. 
And while I do think that as followers of Jesus, we want to be wise and prudent, we want our 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 our, our thinking to be certainly enlightened in the way that the New Testament speaks to that, right? We're supposed to be like awake and uh, and people of the daytime, it says. So we're supposed to do that. But in doing that, we also want to recognize that all of that stuff that's coming our way that we're to be aware of and be thoughtful about, again, is a is an opportunity and is a space where instead of us saying the sky is falling and we should all be scared to death for what happens next, we should say, you know what? God is Lord of the skies. They're not falling. And while we need to be aware, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to react. We don't need to freak out. We don't need to... Uh, you know, kind of take matters into our own human hands and go and and kind of fight and resist these these powers that be in the world. But rather, we need to show the powers in this world that we're not afraid of them, that God is sovereign over the affairs of people. And if anything, I only have one big responsibility when things are coming against my Christian faith. And that is, I have the responsibility to still model Jesus well, still display faith well, love those enemies as they're coming my way, and embrace my persecution or my suffering with joy and resilience. See, it always comes back to that same thing. And this is the thing that I've watched now for years is that when there's some new threat or boogeyman that somehow makes kind of our evangelicalism get nervous, our response isn't typically that faith-filled response and that gracious response and that fruit of the spirit response. But the response tends to be like, oh, we all better huddle. We all better fight. We all better resist. We better get a lawyer. We better go ahead and make some lawsuits, uh, you know, kind of available to the circumstance because we got to deal with this. We need to have a, a rally or a protest or a giant petition signed to stop this thing. Or we need to warn everybody how, again, the, the laws are going to change against us. And from that, we sound panicked. We sound as though our, our, our greatest concern is not modeling Jesus well in the environment, but rather just protecting ourselves in the context of things, whether it models Jesus well or not. Like that's sort of the dilemma. And yet, I again want to go back to this idea that all these things are for our learning. All of these things are opportunities. I, I think about something Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus they're going to suffer persecution. They're going to suffer resistance. They're going to suffer hardship, right? All of that is true. And in the midst of that, what's most important is how we then respond. Faith, not fear. Not fear. In any any context, we should not fear. Now, is that hard? Absolutely, it's hard. I mean, I go through this, right? There are things or moments where I start to feel that anxiety, that sense of dread, that, oh no, what are we going to do, right? Uh, you know, whether it be like some concern about the church financially or physically or socially, and, and I can have all that fear want to erupt to the surface because it's just a natural trait, right? Again, in our chemistry, we are wired to have these fear responses. But this is where then, again, we need to let then scripture and Christ inform our fears so we can then relinquish those to him. We can pray those through in him and we can begin to move forward toward this idea of having a real demonstration of faith. In fact, one of my favorite passages on this topic is in the book of Isaiah. And so this is what it says in chapter 8, verse 11. He says, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, do not call everything a conspiracy like all of those other people do and do not live in dread of what frightens them. 
Rather, he says, make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the only one you should fear. He is the only one who should make you tremble. And in doing this, he will keep you safe. See, that passage right there says it all in just that little nugget, right? We should not be the ones that when we hear about some kind of bias against our faith, some bias against religion, some agenda somehow to somehow overturn our religious liberties and rights, we shouldn't be the ones who are like, oh, there's a conspiracy there. There's a conspiracy there. We got to freak out. We got to be worried. We got to be concerned. We got to take matters into our own hands. He says, no, don't go down that road. Don't even fall victim to that thinking because Fear will lead you, like Yoda says, to the dark side. It will lead you to a place of almost like wanting to bring pain to others before they bring pain to you. You're going to want to inflict suffering on others before they have the opportunity to cause you to suffer. That's what fear can cause. Fear causes us to act erratically. Fear causes us to lose a bit of control. Fear causes us this this burden, creates this kind of liability in us where instead of being genuinely thoughtful and responsive to a thing, we're just reactive and destructive or reactive and self-preserving or reactive and fundamentally then not spirit-led, right? We almost kind of taking Paul's idea of Ephesians chapter five on don't be drunk with wine. Sometimes we can be drunk with fear, right? As opposed to be led by the spirit and guided by the spirit. And so again, this is why I want to just keep emphasizing that all the calamity, all the chaos, all the crazy of our world, all the sense of threat and concern, all of it is opportunity. It's opportunity if we allow it to be. It's opportunity if our agenda is not our well-being, but our agenda is Christ's kingdom. If our agenda is his name and his fame being known. If our agenda is to actually prove that there is real power behind this idea of the gospel, that people are actually transformed and changed. See, if that is our agenda, you know what? We have everything we need to get this done, right? I mean, that's what the Bible says. We have everything for life and godliness. We have everything for life and godliness through the power of Christ, right? You see that in 2 Peter chapter 1. It's all laid out for us. We just simply have to lean into the things that are laid out. And so this prospect of fear versus faith, I think one of the reasons why we've been so motivated by fear so often is, frankly, fear is easier. um, And I think to respond out of fear is convenient, It's much more convenient than the idea of having to pray it out, gut it out, work it out, trust God in the midst of all of it. Like that stuff is hard. And yet that's the stuff the world is waiting to see. See, I think one of the things I'm realizing more and more about the disbelieving population that we live around is um, I, 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 I think they do want to see that there is something different about about those who follow Jesus. Like, cause many of them I talk to, they're like, man, when I, when I consider the person of Jesus, that is a compelling personality. That's, that is a guy, a message, a way of living that that's intriguing. Um, but what happens so often is they, they, they struggle to see how that is then translated into the life of Christians in such a way that we really do live in a transcendent model, that we really don't let the stuff of the world weigh us down, but rather we submit it and relinquish it to Christ. I think instead they tend to look and go, you know what, you guys have a creed, you have a code, you have a book, you have a building, you do a thing, you rally around a cause, but you seem to be just as afraid as I am in this world. You seem just to be just as nervous and concerned about finances, or about your rights, or about your heritage, like, like you know, it, when we 
when we have the same types of fears as our world, it almost stands as like an anti-gospel. You know, it kind of almost displays to everybody that, hey, there's nothing really backing this. It's just people's, you know, commitment to a thing. But it's not like there's a transformation in line with the commitment. And this is why what we must do is not just try to white knuckle it through or to control the environment for our flourishing, but rather we need to let ourselves go. We need to die to ourselves daily and we need to let him do the work in us to bring that stability, that strength, that focus, and that force to move forward, not in fear, but in faith. See, the thing about faith that I continue to marvel at is it's not something that I can muster, right? I don't know if you have realized that, but Faith can't be mustered in the life of the person. When you start going through the New Testament, what you actually see is that faith is a gift repeatedly, right? It's just a gift. Now, it's a gift often given to those who say, I don't have the capacity, right? That's what happens. Like even in the Gospel of Luke this week, I was just wrapping up some of my note-taking stuff for the, the message. And and you have this blind beggar who brings nothing to the table. He's utterly helpless. And yet Jesus says, your faith has made you well, right? He goes from blind to having sight. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. But really in that, it wasn't like this blind beggar just had so much incredible faith. He could actually move from blindness to sight, but rather he had so much dependency from that man, that faith becomes a gift given to him. And in that he has a sight restored. See, really, the essence of faith is not the size of our faith, but it's the fact that we want to go to the place of faith in the way we make decisions and the way we interact with our world. And to go to that means I'm just coming to God. God, I need you to do this work in me so that I have faith over fear. God, I need you to do this work in me so I actually believe what your words say count. And I would take seriously the reactions I'm supposed to have as a marker of my faith in you, as opposed to, I go, I know what it says, but I'm not going to do it because that's too risky and I'm going to take things in my own hands and get it done in my own way, but in the name of Jesus. When we get things done in our own way, but in the name of Jesus, it soils the name of Jesus. That's the problem there. So for all of these years, as we've been kind of pumping out all of these, be afraid of this, be afraid of that, watch out for this group, that organization, this movement, whatever, the more we do that, the more it just robs. It robs us of what we most need to do, which is in the face of that, be a different kind of people. In the face of that, not be afraid, but be faithful and faith-filled and submitting all of those cares, concerns, and worries that we have in our heart, submitting those to Christ and asking him to convert those things to examples of trust, examples and displays of how he makes our lives better through him by doing the things that he calls us to do in him. See, that's the fundamentals of an everyday missionary. See, what I don't want to try to advocate for in this entire series is, hey, we just need to get more refined and get better. No, what I'm advocating for is that we become more humbled more dependent, more gracious, more long-suffering. In other words, we do the things where the, the Spirit does a work in and through us to model these things to the world. That's what the fruit of the Spirit's all about, right? The Sermon on the Mount is saying, hey, this is a crazy idea, and I believe it can change the world, so Jesus, I'm going to do it, but I can't do it on my own, so I've got to rely on your Spirit to do this in me, and then his fruit comes out, his resilience comes out, and his commitment to the mission comes out. And therefore, it's not us working harder. It's us surrendering more. And I believe if we can do that, if we can see our fears converted to faith, if we can see our reactions converted to more thoughtful, like 
decisions where we're going to Jesus. We're asking the spirit to guide and provide. We're longing to do the difficult things because they are the displays of faith in our world. I believe the more we do that, the more we will be effective everyday missionaries.